I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. Before we get into the show, I just want to acknowledge that I have been incredibly distracted by the coronavirus. I imagine a lot of you have as well. This is such a scary, unsettling time for so many of us. I particularly hate being across the ocean from my family in England while all this is going on. And I know from Facebook that Some of you feel like you're in a similar position, really anxious about loved ones who live far away. And this whole situation, it's also really made me think about what I should do with the show right now, given pretty much everyone is paying attention to just one story at the moment. I think I'm probably going to produce a couple of upcoming shows that are related to the current crisis in some way, because it almost seems weird not to. I haven't entirely decided yet. But in the meantime, in this episode, I am bringing you a totally different story. It's the story of someone I know, my friend Marie. I met her through a freelance job more than a decade ago. It was a market research type gig. But as I got to know her, I found out she'd originally done the job I had wanted growing up. I entered the workforce at the ripe age of five years old, and I got into show business. I used to envy those child actors so much. Coming up, someone who started her career when most kids are starting school and ultimately let it go because climbing this particular ladder didn't seem worth the sacrifice. Marie is the youngest of four kids. Her mother is an artist. She was a single mum, and when Marie was little, they were on welfare to get by. She remembers being hungry, that time of the month when the cupboard truly was bare, except for sugar, which she and her sister would spoon into their mouths. One day when she was five, her mum was reading the newspaper, and she saw an ad inviting kids in the area to come and audition in front of a talent agent. Each of us tried out, and me, as the smallest, blondest one, I could read. My mom had taught all of us to read quite young. So I was able to take a page of copy, read it over, and read it back. And the agent at the table was thrilled with this and signed me up on the spot. Not long after signing up with that agent, she began going on auditions. Then she started to land acting jobs in commercials commercials for foods, mostly junk food, food and toys. And most of these commercials are aimed at other children. This is the rise of marketing towards children in the 1980s, the great era of advertising towards children, you know, during the TV cartoons on the weekends. 
If you grew up in the U.S., you'll probably remember this line from a famous cereal ad: "Silly Rabbit, tricks are for kids." For non-Americans, tricks is a sugary cereal. The ads used to star a cartoon rabbit, and Marie did the voiceover for that brand for four years. She also acted on screen in a bunch of other ads. Her first big gig was a series of commercials for a laundry detergent. Her family lived about two hours north of New York City in the Hudson Valley. As she grew up, she spent a lot of time commuting back and forth to the city with her mum, going on auditions and shooting commercials. As she got older, she started trying out for films and TV as well. I remember my first job on a film.、Um, I was nine, and I I loved the experience. It was a because, and I remember telling people in the cast and crew, "This is a great job. I much prefer the dramatic job." Because I don't have to smile all day. Because the the work for the commercials, the publicity, etc. You're the cute kid. You're smiling. <laughs> I remember at, at the end of one shoot, I told my mom, "Mom, my smiler muscles hurt." Did you always enjoy it? Was it always enjoyable? Give a sense of. It's so hard for other people to imagine not being in school every day and just having a, that kind of boring routine. And hanging out with other kids after school on the weekends—I don't know how different. Maybe you could try and give a sense of how your life did or did not match that description. Right, that's a great question.、Um, I did not have a normal life in that regard、uh, because I—I I didn't go to school. I was not in school because I was busy working. And many other young performers of my age, it was this is the same thing. If you ask them, they'll probably describe a pretty similar experience.、Um, as your career is heating up, your school experience sort of goes down <laughs> because the demands are such. You have to choose basically as a young person. Okay, kid, do you want to go to school or do you want to do be in the business? And、um, me, I, I I chose the business. That was what I was doing. So no, I didn't go to school, and I didn't have much of an experience around. Most of my days were around adults, so I didn't really grow up with a peer group. Her mum homeschooled Marie and her three siblings, but when she was on set, she says there wasn't that much schooling going on. Instead, she was earning money, quite a lot, and she understood right from the get-go that her job was important to everyone in her family. Let's put it this way:、um, we were not in a great situation financially, and I knew from the beginning that this was a fun thing to do, but it was also a financial thing to do, and that I was helping my family access a better, a better、uh, quality of life. And that, above all, is what made me happy. And any time I went out to read, it wasn't. For me, so much as there, there was the attention on me. But what it was really about was improving our situation, and helping my family, and hopefully securing a better financial future and career for myself. So I, I knew all of that from day one. She could hardly fail to notice. After all, when I was paid, I was paid in my name. I was paid checks, many thousands of dollars, written to me. I am. Five, six, seven, eight, nine years old. I would sign the back of my check and walk into the local branch of our bank. Oh, here comes that small child again with a check for many thousands of dollars, and I would put it into my bank account. She was proud to be helping her family, 
But it was really more than help. It was everything. I was the income earner for our family beginning at age five until about age 15. And while she brought home the bacon, she was also learning a lot. She may not have gone to school, but she says she gleaned so much during those years about what it means to be a professional. She says bringing a positive attitude to everything you do was one of her main takeaways. Then there was teamwork. She says there's this perception that the actor is the star of a production. But she knew she could only do her job thanks to the work of scores of people the audience couldn't see. They supported her, and she wanted to do her job well to support them. She says knowing the value of a good team is something she's carried into later life. And as the years went by, she became more and more aware of what it meant to be female in show business. She was playing adorable blondes. Sometimes she'd play the younger version of a famous actress in a flashback scene. It was exciting, but... As a working actor, especially as a young person, and especially as a female, uh, you also understood pretty early what was going to be expected of you relating to your gender. And the race is sort of on to try to establish your credibility. Credibility meaning name recognition, so she could negotiate to get better parts. Ones with more character development, more depth. Parts where she wasn't just standing around looking pretty. So to me, the, the pressure was on to try to make a name and get some kind of credibility because then that's negotiating power. Because uh, from an early age, um, when I was maybe around 10, 10 or 11, you start to notice pretty acutely that most of what is expected to you is certain gender roles. And I didn't really like the direction that was going. I remember once I was walking to an audition with my mom you know, cute blonde child, whatever, maybe put on a little blush or a little little bit of light makeup to make her look extra cute. And it occurs to me, what if I get hit by this bus on the corner of this New York City street on like 54th Street and 7th Avenue? Like, what if I get hideously, you know, disfigured by this bus? My quote-unquote career is over. It, it just struck me like a ton of bricks how much what I was doing was relating to my physique and looking a certain way. And I thought, well, then, then my entire livelihood is wiped out if something happens, you know, to my lovely little face. And I was thinking, this is really not fair. And then it got me thinking about how, how stereotyped the roles were that I was reading for. She started counting the lines in the script she was getting to see how many lines the female characters had. And consistently, guess what? You know, they were always, always much lower than those of the male characters. And I'm like, I want to be the male. I want to be the boy going off and having adventures and doing stuff. Why am I the piece of furniture or the supporting character? The character who needed to be rescued. And as she got into her teens, the world of work got weirder. There's a very tricky transition. People in the business will tell you it's very difficult to transition from being a charming child performer to an adult. And that creepy in-between place is riddled with pitfalls. She says that began for her at age 13. I was already reading for roles where you're already either the virgin or the whore, or you've been raped, or you're knocked up, or... It's just started to get really graphic really quickly, and I just started to get angry because I'm thinking, why am I reading these roles? Why do I have to deal with this right now? She was only 13. Until recently, she'd been playing innocent kids. She says she didn't really talk about it with her mom, 
She says her mom was not a stage mother. She didn't interfere a lot in Marie's choice of roles. And no one was forcing her to audition for this stuff. She says everyone around her was always very professional. But privately, she still cursed whoever was writing these scenes. Luckily, she had a manager who was supportive. I did discuss things with her, and without her support, I wouldn't have been able to. I don't know what I would have done. But she did have a good way of diffusing some of this content with me and checking to see if I was okay. Frankly, I was probably less okay than I pretended I was. I felt this is just the options I'm being presented with. These are the roles I'm being offered. I just have to suck it up and do it. She saw these roles as pit stops on her journey to eventually getting better parts. Or at least she hoped that would be the case. But as the teenage years went by, she became increasingly disenchanted with her industry. She was seeing a certain pattern play out with slightly older actresses. There was this paradigm that you would have to pass through in order to be a professional actress, which was, um, you know, you kind of flail around in the bottom and you, you get a couple roles and then you have to do the topless scene and it's like working your way out of jail. You do a couple topless or sort of naked scenes and then hopefully you have a name where you can negotiate yourself out of the topless naked scenes. It's like, you know, it's like your get out of jail card. And I'm just, I, I just didn't, couldn't face that, that so boring and standard trajectory. It just made me really angry. I'm like, why do I have to give you all of this just to get to something more interesting and professional? Maybe things would have been different if more people behind the scenes on these productions were women themselves. But that was not the case. Sadly, my entire time, 10 years in the industry reading, I read for one lady director. And I'm including commercials, I'm including everything. There were some ladies present as like producers, executive producers, um, but not very many. Uh, so that was just kind of a given that there was no space for women in the creation, not much space for women in the creation of these pieces. But yeah, it's, it's kind of sad how at the time it just seemed like this monolithic, unchangeable thing. It didn't even really occur to me to like stay in there and fight and change because, you know, when you're faced with the monolith, you think, well, that's just how it works. And, you know, these are the rules and this is what you got to do to get out of jail, quote unquote. And I, I just started to get really disgusted by that. And that's, that's a lot of why I, I stopped and left the industry. At 15 years old, she stopped acting. It was a difficult decision. It was the only world she'd ever known. But she started to think about what might come next. Since I hadn't been to school, I, I wanted to start taking control of my destiny because I realized that so much of performing performance work or being a working actor is waiting for the phone to ring. It's a very passive role. Um, so I, I thought, well, let me let me go to school and, you know, try to carve out something more to do with my mind than the way that I look. Because it seems to me that most of my value in this trade is about the way that I look. And I, I just was, was so tired of that. And, and I, I'm really glad um, that I made that decision. Yeah. When you came out of college, well, actually, before we talk about that, talk about, because all of our, I've spoken about this on the show before, to the extent that our identities are tied up with what we do. And there you were having worked in this industry for about 10 years, and you're around 15 when you sort of start to step away. How hard was that just in that your identity was, I'm an actor, and, and also not to mention your identity is the support for your family. 
Oh, it was horrible. I mean, it was the worst thing I'd ever done in my life. It was horrible because I felt here's this thing that I was made to do, that I was raised to do, and suddenly I couldn't do it anymore. She missed acting. She missed the work and the people who taught her for 10 years. She had hoped for a long career in show business, but the costs just seemed too great. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Marie had always been a quick learner, and that paid off after she stopped acting. She attended a local community college, then landed a generous scholarship to a prestigious liberal arts college. By this point, very little of the money she'd earned during her career was left, about $2,000, and she put that towards her education. But being plunged into a group of her peers at 18? That was tough. She got to college and wondered why everyone else was behaving like children – gathering in groups, leaving some people out, whispering behind each other's backs. She'd never been in a school playground, so she had no experience with this stuff. I couldn't relate. I didn't understand it. I couldn't keep up. I had a hard time making friends. I, I, did, I just didn't understand the motivations and games and cliques, etc. And when she tried out for a play some of her fellow students were putting on... I didn't get a single part. And I, I, it, was, it was kind of astonishing because of the people in the room, of the students in the room, I was thinking, hmm, wait, who of us here has a page full of credentials? So that was confusing and welcome to the world of, you know, peer pressure and all that. Um, later in, in my uh, school life, I did try out for something and I got it and that was lots of fun and very positive. But that was a, that was a kind of a jarring experience to meet my peer group at that point in life. After she graduated with a degree in French studies with a specialty in cultural anthropology, she rebelled against her artistic upbringing. I got into um, the information business and I, I liked the idea of uh, using my mind and helping people in an abstract way with information and uh, advisory. So I got into sort of a consulting type job. And that was really thrilling for me because it, again, it, you know, a lot of my work was over the phone or, you know, didn't have to do with the way that you looked in person. But it took a while to get used to this more humdrum world, not to feel that every time she met someone new in or outside work, she had to win them over. Then I realized, I'm like, oh, wait, I'm not an addition. These are just people and I'm talking to them and I don't have to be the funniest, most charming, most clever, whatever person in the room. I can just be and I don't have to be the object of attention because the dynamic that's set up in an audition is exactly that. There may be one, two, 15 people in a room, but they're all focused on you and it's for you to, to like save the day and get the job. But most Normal human interactions are not like that. So it took me a while to learn how to 
calm down the um, the need to impress. Talk about insecurity, my God. But do you are you glad? Do you doing what you're doing now? Do you ever think, oh, I wish I'd stayed in the business, or not? Of course, when you see certain posters of certain people, you're like, wow, good for them. You know, you're like, yeah, that could have been me. Yep. And I actually used to look at the, um, oh gosh, in those difficult years, the in-between years, I would be looking through the newspaper, remember those, and I'd look at the movie ads in the back, and each time you see someone doing well, you know, you feel like a failure. And I'm like, this isn't just a phantasm. Like, this is real, because it could have been, it could have been me. Um, and, and yet what kind of an absurd, you know, experience is that to like be mad at yourself that you're not in the like new movie coming out. Some of her contemporaries, the people who were up for the same parts she was back in the day, they stayed in the industry. Actors like Reese Witherspoon, Tara Reid, Claire Danes, Alicia Silverstone and Natalie Portman. But when the Me Too movement began, Reese Witherspoon spoke up about a director assaulting her when she was just 16 years old. When Marie thinks about Me Too and the man whose actions sparked the whole movement... The Weinstein stories were just kind of corroborating what I described to you earlier and in some ways were validating the experience that I had, meaning, okay, I wasn't just crazy. I didn't just imagine these things. This, this, this was actually real and happening. And, you know, I was lucky enough to to avoid those sorts of scenarios. Um, So I guess I wasn't surprised because that's the dynamic that I had understood to exist in the industry. Uh, So I wasn't surprised. And yet the the depth of it just made me really sad. And it might seem uh, it's a little difficult to judge and understand these stories now because, well, we kind of wonder, well, they didn't have to do that. Why did they do that? But I think it's difficult to go back a couple decades or even a few years and remember just how impenetrable that wall seemed and just how unfair of like, well, if I want to do this job, um, I have to, to, you know, do these certain favors. What did you think when the verdict came that he'd been convicted on two of the counts anyway? I'm pleased that justice is being done, at least for some of these women. I am a bit dismayed, though, to hear how, I don't know, jaundiced or, um, you know, now people are angry at this movement and are pushing back and it's getting more complicated. And I don't know. So there's, there's still a lot more work to be done. Do you, when you look back, is there anything, is there anything you would change about your working childhood? Um, if I had to do it again, because again, it's an industry that I loved. It's it it was my home. It's where I grew up, and I felt I belonged, and I felt raised by those people, and I I learned a lot from them. So if if I were to do things again, I probably would not have approached things so much from um, being in front of the camera as being behind the camera, because that's where things get interesting. And I didn't have any role models. Again, I only met one female director in my entire professional career. Uh, If I had a few more role models, I feel I would have felt it was a bit more possible for me to make a difference on that angle, either in writing or producing that's where things happen. If you look at the flow chart of 
of a production, the actor is actually the last thought in that process. It all flows downhill. And the aggravating thing is you're only asked to recite these words that someone else wrote, someone else came up with and produced. And behind the camera, in the writing room, that's where things get more interesting. That's where you can create roles, create the kind of tomboys or people, characters that I didn't see, I didn't get to read for. So that's that's where I think you can effectuate more change. I mean, I'm happy to see performers who are able to do better roles, but I think I think the real power happens in the making of the works, not in not in the performing of them. And things are changing, slowly. Last year, women made up 20% of people working behind the scenes on the top 100 films in the US. Directors, writers, producers, cinematographers. And that's the highest percentage ever recorded. Those figures come from the Centre for the Study of Women in Television and Film at San Diego State University. Thanks to Marie for being my guest on this show. I will post a few photos of Marie in her acting heyday under this episode at thebroadexperience.com. That's The Broad Experience for this time. You can reach me via email at ashley at thebroadexperience.com or on the Facebook page or Twitter. It's always good to hear from you, especially at a time when many of us are isolated. And thanks to all those of you who contributed to that Facebook discussion of what kinds of shows you wanted during the coronavirus outbreak. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.